Lisa. This is Rachel Vo. This is a Good Girl's Guide 2 podcast, and I am so grateful that you are here. So let's try to get into this consistency that I'm preaching about in terms of uh, you're here for a reason, right? So you either were introduced by somebody, which means that you are new. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, more than likely, you are somebody who is reoccurring, uh, which is more common to say the least. And you absolutely know, I consider you a frequent flyer or whatever you want to call yourself. You're just a veteran and I love you from the bottom of my heart. So if you are getting some value hanging out with Rachel Vote, uh, find the link tree somewhere here where you can continue to follow me on other platforms for free content or also to connect with me if you want to do one-to-one sessions or if you would like to do the empowerment class. My strong suit, my focus is absolutely about sexual wellness and intimacy. However, all of those things are completely connected. So if you feel like you're struggling in your wealth beliefs or your mental and physical well-being, your spirituality and or your purpose and passion, you are in the right place. So um, that was really, oh my gosh, I think I did it. I think I think I finally did it. I think I was consistent in the way to connect with me as a business owner, friends, and we can jump into our podcast content. So if you are here, oh my gosh, I'm just so excited that you are. But this is actually a part two. This is a part two from the podcast I was just filming, ran out of time, and I'm jumping right into part two of like how thoughts become things, how to manifest. And ultimately what we're trying to get to is a conversation around how to manifest through orgasm because that was something somebody reached out to me to ask me about. So here we are. That's what we're talking about. Make sure to listen to part one. Um, if you really want to, or you should, in my opinion, because I break down the, it's not science, but I break down the woo woo side of what manifesting is and how to kind of relate to that in a real world, tangible thing. So if you're somebody who doesn't believe in God or the universe, or you don't believe in the ethereal, that is okay. I was there at some point as well, but through my spiritual development and my overall personal development growth, um, spirituality was a part that I had to accept about myself. And I think everybody does. And a lot of us miss this mark, uh, because it just doesn't seem right or it seems woo woo or whatever, whatever. So I talk about like the, the way I went from a logic understanding of the world to a spiritual and then how I'm really blending those together today. So right now, as we're continuing this conversation, we're talking about manifestation. Okay. So just as a really fast recap, thoughts become things. Okay. I referenced in this last podcast, Mike Dooley, I highly recommend it. He's an author. He, he, um, he just very lovingly and, um, genuinely just joyously talks a lot about how to, really understand that thoughts become things. Okay. So thoughts do become things, right? Cause thoughts have to start from somewhere. They start in your brain and they generate frequency and energy. Quite literally everything on planet earth generates a frequency and an energy that's measurable uh, vibra- vi- via vibration. If you didn't know. Okay. And then once thoughts become audible, so you process your thought, turn it into something that comes out your mouth. It now is the same thing, right? The thought became something you just orated. It's the same thing, but now it harnesses more power and energy because it went from just being a thought frequency to a vocational, uh, would that be right? Vocal, vocal frequency. So the vibration is now bigger. Okay. So whether you equate that to stronger, whatever, whatever, more real is more important. Okay. So now thoughts are starting to become things and thoughts become things in that instance as a realization or an idea, right? It's not necessarily that it's tangible. Okay. And so this is where we get into this conversation around manifestation and how to do it, what it is. Is it real? Can you do it? It is real. You can do it. But I do believe that there's a lot of information out there that is confusing to some people. There's also a lot of misleading information. So let's kind of talk about it, right? Now, when we talk about thoughts becoming things and wanting to manifest into our reality, you need to understand that you harness this power whether you know it or not. So your reality today is an exact representation of what you've been asking for, okay? And I know that that sucks for some people because it's often like, what are you telling me? Like, the place that I'm at where circumstances are tough or not ideal, you're telling me I asked for this in a sense. Yes. But I understand how that can feel very insensitive. So let's talk about that. All right. So, um, when we 
understand how our reality is created, which is what I teach in great depth in my empowerment class. So I have to give you a very over high overview level about what that is. Every one of us starts off in a perception of a reality. And what that means is that we are given ideas. Okay. If you think about it, when you are born, you're born in into a blank slate into a community for most of us. And a lack of community is an example as well. If you, if you feel like, like, I'm just going to use this as an example. If you like a, a a child in an orphanage still has a community of other orphans and whoever their caretakers are, right? That's still a community. But for argument's sake, I'm going to talk about being in a family when you're born, okay? Because when you're born into a family, they have the best intentions most often that they want you to be accepted by society and within your community. So they're going to give you thoughts, ideas, and beliefs so that you can become a successful person. And what's very ironic about that, in my opinion, is that like if you are in a community or group that has no self-awareness, no spiritual beliefs or whatever, whatever, it's still happening to you, but your programming is less intentional, right? So a good example of this would be when we're um, learning how to potty train, right? So we have really strong and good intentions in helping our little ones because we want them to be accepted by society by not wetting their pants. But ultimately, what we also do to them is we coach them out of their own intuition about their bodies, okay? Not to like a huge extent, but think about this, right? If you're in the car and you're like, mom, I have to go potty. And she's like, oh, well, we're only about 10 minutes from home. Do you think that you could wait, right? Your intuition was your body's telling you, I have to go to the bathroom, right? And I'm asking you to ignore your social, your bodily cue that you have to go to the bathroom and place it on hold for 10 minutes until we get home. I'm not saying that your parents hurt you by asking you to hold your pee for 10 minutes, but it still takes you away from this understanding that you know best about what's what's best for you. And again, we do this lovingly, like all of the social cues. We, we try to coach you on how to look. We try to coach you on how to grow up. We try to coach you on um, how to bring in money, all of the things, right? So ultimately, for the most part, it's for a good cause. We want you to be a functioning human being in society. But if the ideas, thoughts, beliefs did not align with who we wanted to be or who we were, they then cause conflict for us. As an example, if you grow up in an organized religion where you're preached that you need to wait until marriage for sex, but you've always been very sexually curious, you have been in relationships with people that you felt it was okay. Like you trusted the person enough that you wanted to take the intimacy to a next level, but something within you always held you back because you were told good girls don't do that. Good girls don't do that. Good girls don't do that. And so then in theory, if I go against everything I was ever told, that means I'm a bad girl. And the best thing that we can do for all human beings, of course, is to understand that as we're growing, as we are teaching people that it's not a black and white world. And that is what we live in. Unfortunately, is that you're either good or you're either bad. You're either rich or you're either poor. You're either successful or you're unsuccessful. You're either fat or you're either skinny. There is no in between. And the world runs in gray. It runs in gray because number one, if we took the example about being healthy, right? Let's just say fat and skinny and more, more explosively when you're skinny or you're fat, what number on the scale says that you're skinny? What pant size is it that says you're skinny? And vice versa, what number on the scale and pant size says that you're fat? There isn't, right? There is not a determining factor that we say, okay, when you are 150 pounds, that's when you're starting to get overweight. That's crazy, but I'm just giving you this example, right? Okay, when you're in a pant size that's double digits, that's when you're starting to get fat. Nobody knows, nobody says that, whatever, whatever. So there is no black and white of fat and thin. It's just this 
everything in between. You could be 90 pounds soaking wet and you could be 300 pounds and you could still be a healthy 300 pounds, by the way. You could even be a healthy 90 pounds, but we live in a black and white world. So we need to give everybody more permission about living in the gray and even understanding that the gray exists. Okay. So when you're living in this perception of your reality, it's kind of limiting. It most often is limiting because you are being coached to believe that there is one way to exist and only one way. Woof! That stinks because most of us don't ever fit in a one-way box anyway. We need permission to grow. We need permission to explore. We need permission for curiosity. And so that is the best thing that you could do for anybody. And another thing I just want to point out, by the way, is that, like, children are so good at this. We know that. If you think about children, especially before the age of three, right, they are literally living in the moment all the time. They play with whatever they want to play. They're done playing with that. They move on. They want to watch TV. They want to snack. They want to paint. They're, they're doing exactly what brings them happiness in any given moment. And so obviously that is, in my opinion, it's a huge gift. And then we, we completely teach them out of that. We teach them then how to operate in our society and our rules. And it can be very limiting. At least it was for me. I always felt very closed in, very boxed in. I would have never been an entrepreneur. I, well, I guess I should say that. I became an entrepreneur before I understood personal development, but I still felt very limited. I felt very much stacked in a box about what an entrepreneur had to look like. And so a lot of push and pull around that. Okay. I digress. Your perception of your reality is what you've been told all your life about who to be, how to show up, all the things that you think about government, religion, um, society, about giving back, about celebrities, about influence, about social media. You've been you've been given ideas and cues. And if it wasn't directly from your your parents, remember, teachers, pastors, any kind of caregiver would have some kind of influence over you. And also to remember, by the way, especially for your parental figures, if they were not present. That is also a form of influence. The lack of their presence was a huge influence for you, okay? So when you're living in your perception, your perception is the way you think you have to operate in the, the way you have to be. It's very limiting. It's in the box. It's the fixed mindset that I discussed in the, the first podcast that my therapist really helped me to understand. Fixed mindset. This is the way that it is. It's the way it's always been. It's the way it's always going to be. All right. Your growth mindset is permission, permission to allow for you to discover other paths, other values, other ideas, and even other belief systems that might align more with who you want to be. And spoiler alert, as you are starting to not only dissect what your belief system is, but you start to move away from it, you might keep some or a lot of the things that you used to believe in, but you might start to incorporate new things. First of all, that's brilliant and beautiful. You should. That is what growth is. Everybody should always be growing. But it's important to note that from where you came from, your influences, they may never change their belief system. They may never understand what a growth mindset is. You may never be able to influence them enough or inspire them by your own change that they can too. You're going to have to accept that. That does not mean it does not come with trials, tribulations, and pain as you process that these are not my people anymore or they they influenced me incorrectly or they influenced me in ways that they thought was best for me but did not align with me. When you start to move away from that, you will upset people. You will disappoint people because they have a version of you and now you're changing it. And number one, remember people get very upset when we kill off the people they love. So even when you change your thoughts and your actions around who you are, that affects other people. But it's also, in my opinion, also an additional mix of that when you start changing, you show people, even on a subconscious level to them, that change is possible. And if anybody in your circle has been upset with the way that their life has been and you changing, especially for the positive, that only ruffles their feathers. 
If they are not in a growth mindset, you only on a subconscious level make them jealous because how dare you change? How dare you make your life better? How dare you put me on my own display to have to really critically think, am I happy or am I doing the things that make me happy? And if I'm not, I don't want to have to change because that's, that's a fixed mindset. I'm stuck in a growth mindset. So those are just a little bit of some caveats. I would very much, very much ask you to tuck into your back pocket because that is a lot of part of personal development that I was unaware of. I did not expect, I expected to walk away from people because I could start to see how our belief systems were different. I did not expect people to walk away from me. I, I had rose colored glasses on assuming that the level of change that I had in my life, especially for the better would be influenced to the people that I love, that they would want it as well. And I did not expect it to ruffle their feathers to a point that they didn't think I was the same person anymore. Granted, I'm not, but I guess I didn't, I didn't expect for them to not accept me in what I, I perceive as a better form. So do that, do with that what you will, take it with a grain of salt, but do expect it as well, okay? But also to know that even um, over the isolation of changing, you're not alone. And there are other people out there. I'm right here, right? There's other people out there that have the same mindset as you, that have the same goals and beliefs that you do as a whole. Like, I want to change. I can change. I should change. It's better to change. All of that stuff. There are people out there. They are harder to find. As you can imagine, majority of the masses are in perception, right? A majority of the masses are still, as we used to refer to it, me and Jess Anderson as we did the podcast, they're still asleep. They're sleepwalking because they are just operating under a belief system that they, that they were given, Okay. So perception, right? Now, as you start to understand your actual reality, this is where dissection comes into play. This is where a lot of the hard work comes into play because the first step of this is the realization that you do not align with your belief system. Remember, if that's, you've been running on this program unconsciously for God knows how long, especially if it's decades, right? You're now going to be not only shedding light on that, but you're going to be having to undo it. So the first step, in my opinion, like I talk about growth all the time and I talk about getting a new belief system, but I always forget to talk about the fact that you have to even recognize your own. You have to recognize where you currently stand on things or you were influenced to stand and understanding that it's not the only way. That's step number one. Okay. Understanding your current belief system and then recognizing that it is not the one that's set in stone. It's not the end all to be all. It might not even be the best version. Step two, realistically, is mourning that, okay? And that may come fast because maybe you're like, oh, I don't want to believe those things anyway, so I'm ready to move on to the next thing. But there is a mourning period because it is part of an identity of you that you're letting go of and potentially who you've always been your whole life. So it is okay for you to take time. And I mean like days, weeks, sometimes even months to process that that is the person you are not anymore. That person's now dead. At least parts of them are. So it's okay to go through a mourning process of that. And then when you come through on the other side is beginning to then formulate your own belief system. Okay. Now I know in my heart of hearts that intrinsically there are things I believe. And here's what's interesting is that even those belief systems you have to understand have been influenced, influenced from some other place. Again, even with good intentions, even with trying to change to a quote unquote better belief system, you were not given that right? Remember you were born a blank slate, <laughs> you squishy little baby. You were born a blank slate. So even it amongst potential tragedy uh, in your family or chaos in your family, you were being influenced. If something, even from a young age, you felt that something was misaligned, that this was not your people, this was not your belief system, but you didn't, you couldn't voice it. You didn't have the tools to do that. You have to understand and recognize and not for 
for badness that that was still influenced. So if you were all by yourself trying to formulate at a very young age who you wanted to be, there was something outside of you. So whether you were seeing it replayed in television shows, you were hearing it sung in, in songs, you were watching it in movies, you were seeing it at church, you had teachers who really supplemented a great potential um, figure for you, whatever it was, you still had influences and that belief system was being formed for you externally. That's okay, but it's just important to recognize it because not only is, especially if you're trying to work towards like having a better belief system or a better belief system or a better feeling belief system, whatever it is, you're not all on your own, basically, okay? So when you're standing in this place of now trying to discover your belief system or wanting to, to have a better belief system or whatever, right, that's the next step, is what is it that I believe? And how can I align that into my life? And how can I, I guess, start executing it is probably what I meant to say with that. Okay. So that's the next step is actually starting to practice your belief and then being in that belief system as you live your life. Okay. That takes time. Cause remember, even if tomorrow we woke up and everybody was walking backwards, could you walk backwards too? Yeah. But it's going to take you some time to become the new autopilot way of walking from time to time. You're going to stand up and you're going to, Oh crap. I forgot. We're walking backwards now. I got to start walking backwards. Right. Cause you're deprogramming for however many years you were walking forward to now accept that this is your new belief. And then to then practice the new belief of walking backwards. I know it seems silly, but it is true because we learn everything. We learn everything through repetition. Humans are good at pattern seeking and repetition. Okay. So once you're out here living in your new belief system, um, it feels really good, especially if it feels like your intentions are well and whatever, whatever. So I, I don't want to deter you. Like that is a state of flow feeling basically, like almost euphoric when you start operating from your belief system. Um, but it's a little dangerous in my opinion for that regard, because I, I went through this as well. When I started operating from the new belief system, one, subconsciously, I didn't really recognize that I was starting to internalize thinking that my belief system was the belief system that all humans should be operating from because it was a step up from where I was before because it was better intention from where I was before because it felt like I was thinking of the greater good of the of humanity more than I was before so then logically as a human which has flaws I started to think that my way was the way it should be that's not right because that's black and white thinking right? My way is the right way. Your way is the wrong way. Is there varying shades of gray to operate within? Yes. Can you be somebody who is pro-choice and um, still be a good person? Absolutely. Are you somebody who can be pro-life and still be a good person? Yes. I believe you can. But if we operate only in shades of black and white, that would be one spectrum to the other spectrum, right? And there are... <laughs> There are very polar sides of that spectrum, but there is so many ways of thinking and considerations that you can be in the middle. So that's what we really want to operate from is shades of gray. Shades of gray are freeing because it also doesn't lock me into the belief system that I have today. Because even as I started to develop new ways of thinking five years ago, there are things today that I think that are different than I did within the last five years even around spiritual development, even around manifestation. And that's why we are having this conversation today, right? So once you start operating from your belief system, that is, that's the catch 22 that I want you to really consider is that number one, you don't get on a pedestal and you start judging other people because they're not operating from your better belief system. Number two, we're not judging them because they don't have the ability to step outside of their own belief system yet and formulate, Hey, is this really good for the greater good of humanity? 
because they may never get there. And I believe strongly to my core that only um, dismissing others' belief systems or telling them that their belief system is wrong is never going to solve the problem. It is never going to get somebody whose way of thinking is hurtful and harmful to others. It's never going to get them to think that their way is wrong by just simply um, shaming them and telling them they're wrong. It's never going to happen. And I'm going to throw this in as just another added lesson in personal development, because at some point, if you get to, there's no levels of personal development, but the level I would say that I have been digesting, you know, is that, excuse me, that. Oh, I squirreled myself out of what I was thinking. I haven't done that for a long time. We'll have to come back to that because if you if you are new here, this happens actually quite a bit. It hasn't happened in a long time, but I lost my train of thought. And the more I think about it, the farther it's going to get away from me. So it'll eventually will come back to me. So we're talking about um, operating right from your perception versus your reality. Okay. Because when you start to sway from this understanding in this veil of living under perception of other people's beliefs and what they told you to do, and then you swing into your own, that has now become your actually tr- your actual true reality. Because it's now your beliefs. You are now starting to choose the thoughts that you think. Okay? And um, we started to end the last podcast with understanding like why meditation is so important. And just to, to reiterate that meditation is not about stopping your brain. Your brain has a function. And its function is to process thoughts. So you're never going to get it to stop processing thoughts. It's not the job of meditation. The job of meditation is to basically become aware of the thoughts. I believe I brought this up before, but I'm going to say it again. Um, Some things that have really helped me in meditation is viewing it as an exercise. One exercise as if like you're sitting on a bank and there's a river or creek in front of you. You're sitting on the sand watching the water just rush by. Okay. You are you. The water are your thoughts. Okay. So your job is not to stop the flow because you'll never do that. Your job is to pinpoint things in the creek to pay attention to. So just as an example for visual stimulation, right? Maybe there's a big log that's rushing across the creek, right? So now all of a sudden you're not completely distracted with all of the creek. You're just thinking about the log in the creek. Now you see a frog on the other side of the bank and you're thinking about the frog, right? So it's really just to slow down. And to really get conscious and aware of what's happening and being processed. Because again, your brain processes 60,000 thoughts a day. And I believe that if you are ADHD or ADD or anything that's neurodivergent, you probably process more thoughts than that. So you're probably exhausted if you're not really more aware of what the subconscious is trying to do to you. Uh, The other example of this, by the way, is this also really relates to mental health. Is that when you think about the sun being clouded by clouds, does it mean that the sun is not there? No, it doesn't mean that the sun is not there. It means that right now we can't see the sun. So it's the same kind of philosophy that if, if you're in meditation, what you're really focusing on that regard is like to remove the clouds. Because if you remove the clouds and the sun comes back, okay? And that's a really, really beautiful analogy for me when you think about mental health. Because when you're having a bad day, it doesn't mean that the good will not come back. It doesn't even mean the good's not there to possess. It just means that there are things in the way of the good thing. Okay. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay. So that's what meditation is about. Meditation is getting just very clear on the internal dialogue that's running the show. And again, um, I did touch base on this, but I didn't really um, full circle. And when I talked about meditation, that if you struggle with sitting in a room and trying to quiet your thoughts and your brains, well, when you're doing that wrong, cause you're not supposed to be doing that. Right. But if you're still not a person who can like crisscross applesauce and do the ohms or listen to chimes or whatever, there are unlimited forms of meditation. And I've definitely said this before, so I'm going to say it again. My favorite form of meditation when I discovered that it was a form of meditation is birdsong. Okay? Because meditation, again, is not getting to a place that you are checked out and you're ethereal someplace else. It's just the reset of the 
chaos and confusion that your nervous system is going through. When you're not feeling safe, your body's job is to like speed up your heart rate and to quicken your breath because those are social cues that I am not safe. I got to get out of here. I'm about ready to fight, flight, or fawn. When we have an awareness of how that resonates within our body, we have more control over deep breathing, which literally resets the heartbeat, resets that fast breathing, that feeling that I'm unsafe, and brings me back to this present moment, right? Because what's happening with the body is the body has had an unsafe moment in the past, whether it was related to trauma, whether it was like uh, the preconditions of being a caveman and knowing that fire was not safe or saber-toothed tigers were not safe. It is a preconceived determining factor that's been programmed in your nervous system, right? So the conscious version of you here, which is more evolved than your body, your body is primal, it's doing its very best, but your brain, your thoughts, your energy are more evolved than this primal body. It has been from generations and generations and centuries of primal survival, okay? So your conscious thought of doing the breathing literally resets all of that, <sighs> that panic, that chaos, <sighs> that crazy, and gets you to a point of here. Instead of allowing your monkey mind and your body to take over of the primal instinct of before I was in a situation where I was not safe and I have proven to myself that if I can get my body in a hyper state of arousal, then I can get out of the situation. I know I'll be safe. So that's what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell Rachel, I'm going to tell whoever you are listening to this by the body. I'm going to tell you that I'm not safe. So we get out of here. We do not want to feel this low level feeling of emotion. We want to be back in love and joy and happiness. So we're going to get out of here as fast as we can. And that was helpful back in the day when we needed to run away from a saber-toothed tiger. The fact that a lot of those imminent fears are not true today, the body still has a job to do, which is to tell you when you're unsafe and it's still going to do that. But it does not have the ability to decipher between saber-toothed tiger, tiger danger and rejection danger or humiliation danger or whatever it is that you want to associate to modern day danger, okay? So when we have the tool to override the nervous system, it allows for us to not let the body tell us from past programming what used to happen and what we're going to do now. It allows for the conscious state to take over and me to say, whew, I'm feeling unsafe. So in modern day Rachel coping mechanisms, if I'm feeling safe, that means I don't have to go to the refrigerator and eat some chocolate because sugar literally affects your blood sugar. I had a brain fart. It literally affects your blood sugar, right? So now you're going to feel potentially better because you have elevated your blood sugar. You've elevated your body. I'm not going to, this is not my personal example, but some other examples of coping, right? Um, I'm not feeling safe. I'm not feeling good. So now I'm going to go do a line of cocaine because that literally elevates me immensely, right? I'm not feeling safe. I'm not feeling good. So now I'm going to go swipe my credit card and make an Amazon purchase because the euphoric dopamine of buying something new makes me feel better than I'm feeling in this moment. So the quickest way to reset the nervous system is to do the deep breathing. And when you do the deep breathing, that is when you thank monkey mind, thank your body for giving you the primal response to danger because that was its job. I know you were trying to send out some red flags to tell me, hey, we're not safe and we need to fix this immediately. Thank you so much for telling me. Now that I have reset the both of us, I can take a conscious moment and I can choose how do I want to proceed in this moment? Do I have a tool that will allow me to navigate it safely? If I don't have a tool, do I have previous experience that I could navigate this safely? If I have neither of those things, what is the next step for me to proceed 
so that I feel validated and that I've processed this and so on and so forth. Okay. That's really the skill. I believe that is really what human beings are evolving into right now. I believe, I mean, personal development's not new, but I believe that us as a species, like overwhelmingly, we're, we're becoming more hip to it. And not just because it's helpful, but because we're just sick and tired of feeling sick and tired. We're sick and tired of feeling overwhelmed and underwhelmed at the same time. We're sick and tired of not feeling like we know what to do. We're sick and tired of um, addiction in any of its forms. So we are, I believe, evolving. And that's what the best gift you can give to yourself is to become a more conscious human being so that you can pass it on to anybody who's around you, whether you have children or not, because you're going to be influencing people. Okay. So that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing to create our reality. Because in this moment, I can choose to operate from a scared four-year-old Rachel that was very first programmed with fear, or I can choose to operate from 37-year-old Rachel. And how is this going to benefit me in the next day, week? month, even year, based on the decision that I'm about to make and the action I'm about to take, okay? So that is how we start functioning in our actual reality, but it's also how we start creating that reality. Because if thoughts become things and I'm the thought thinker and I think good, positive, encouraging thoughts, then I'm going to start executing those too, right? It takes time, as we've talked about, because you have to reprogram that internal dialogue and it doesn't. I, I don't have a date for you. If, you, if you're very diligent about this and you get to work on it, you could change that mindset. You could change that autopilot dynamic in weeks. But remember, 21 days makes a habit and 90 days makes a lifestyle. So at, at minimum, we're probably looking at three months of work for ourselves. And I know that sounds exhausting and I know it sucks sometimes. But friends, if I'm 37 years old, three months to program my brain is nothing compared to the three decades, almost four motherfucking decades that I've been doing it in a way that I didn't enjoy before that was not helpful to me, that left me feeling empty or left me feeling not enough or whatever, right? So I know three months sucks. I get it. But you have to look at it as a long-term game and what benefits are on the other side of that. And knowing that it might be faster because your body might just be very receptive to this positivity and just make it the new thing. So you don't know uh, how long it could really take. But I'm just saying... I'm saying that it could take on, on average about three months for you to really make these positive changes. Okay. So keep that in mind. So as now we're beginning to navigate our own reality and thoughts become things, well, that will make sense, right? Because if I'm the thinker of the thoughts and a belief is just a thought you think all the time, if I am creating my new belief system, it's going to lead me towards more action. We do not become, well, I shouldn't say that we don't become complacent because that's also not true. Even through personal development, there was a time where I was very complacent. I had little to no action because I had convinced myself subconsciously that if I just knew the tools, if I had the knowledge, if I had the information, that would be enough to make my life easier, which made sense because I'm an intellectually background person. I have said that before, right? Is that my father very much doted on me when I had good grades. So my identity around being smart was a thing for me. So I think that that's where my subconscious stepped in to say like, well, if you know it, that will be enough because just knowing information has been enough for you all along. You were validated by that. So let's just go ahead and read 75 books in a year. I did that a couple of years ago, 75 plus books. Um, my goal was to do a book a week and I completely just blew through that. I was averaging 1.5 books a week. So if I digest the information, then that will be enough. And I am going to give myself a little bit of credit. And I'm going to tell you this too, because if you're somebody who's doing this or you've done that, it's not without some reward. Because if you think about, if I mean, if you're digesting books about personal development, spiritual growth, endurance, and, and, and action and change, there are going to be small changes that happen in your life because they'll have to. 
if all of your all of the information you're digesting 24 hours a day, seven days a week is about flow and intention and empathy and being a good person, then you are going to change your belief system even slightly because it's just it's the information you're, you're not you're no longer digesting the information that is being fed to you by your parents, teachers, and pastors that you did not align with. So there is going to be a small amount of change that happens to you, but not the not not to the caliber that you deserve or that you're expecting because. That was the thing that held me back for so long was pulling the action trigger in anything that I did. And this is stemming from a fear of failure. It is stemming from a who do you think you are syndrome uh, because that was part of my old belief system. That was, I didn't realize still there, obviously, because it was really holding me back. So you're, you may, you may operate from that place for a while and that's okay. Um, but I want you to be aware of it because again, just because you think a better thought doesn't mean that you have actionable things that really align with that. And that's, what's holding you back from actually getting those results to be, to be happening. And so when we talk about manifestation, friends, manifestation, like I have a piece of paper and I don't know if this is really going to help or not, but the way um, I want you to think about everything is everything is on a frequency. It just has to be. If I say the, if I say the word, the, and then I say the word uh, and I say the word dog, even though my voice is the same voice, right? It's still going to be on a different frequency, okay? All of them, all, all words, all phrases, all things are on different frequencies. They just, they just have to be. Like if you measured, I was just saying, like if you measured the word uh, the dog, they're going to be registering at different frequencies. So you can't see this if you're not on the YouTube watching this, of course, but um, I just drew a bunch of lines and they're all wavy lines and they all have like, some of them are like wavier, some of them are tighter coils, um, but that's the way I'm going to describe it because that is what frequency looks like, okay? This is what frequency looks like. So if you look, use this as an example, um, let's just say just for visual representation, like a low-level feeling emotion is this one here, the one that looks like long and strung out and like kind of like a, a if that makes sense for people who are listening. And then this one down here that looks like kind of cr crazy and chaotic, that's really tight coiled. That's going to be like, like that, just the feeling when you're looking at those, right? But they operate at different frequencies. So everything that you think operates on a frequency. Everything that you say operates on a different frequency. So everything operates on a frequency. So when we talk about manifestation, the thing that really um, blinded me to thinking that manifestation was going to work was that it was all about like, if I, if I think about this thing and I want this thing, then I'm going to get this thing. And if I, um, even use like a mantra or meditate about it, then that's how that thought becomes a thing. And then it becomes my thing. Okay. And that is kind of like lesson one in manifesting and what a lot of people even teach when it comes to manifesting. And so you just think about it, just think about it. You're going to get it. Just think about it, you gotta get it. And that is a really nice sentiment, but it is misleading because just like I was talking about, without action, we, we don't get it. We don't get things. And this is kind of this idea, like when you're manifesting and you like hope to win the lottery. Yeah, a lot of people do, but it doesn't work that way. Now, can you manifest to win the lottery? You sure can, but you won't. Most of us never will because that's twofold. I don't know if I can kind of get into this, but let's talk about it. Like, and it's not just win the lottery. Like you could try to manifest anything. And if it's not working for you, here's why. Number one, because you just don't believe that it's going to happen. It's just kind of like what I was saying earlier about like, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. But underneath the vibrational frequency of the words you're saying is the emotion behind it, right? So there's a difference between I want to win the lottery because I'm always broke all the time versus I want to win the lottery because I 
I've sat down very thoroughly and decided what I would do with those winnings. And part of it is going to go to my retirement and part of it's going to pay off my mom's house. And part of it's going to start a dog shelter and part of it's going to blah, 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 blah. There's more intention and more awareness in that idea around wanting to win the lottery. Having it to be a problem solver is not the same. Okay. Because the emotional frequency again is low level feeling. So it doesn't work that way. And uh, not in that regard, because we're not using the right emotional language, number one. But the second thing is more importantly about the resistance. How many of you out there really think that you could win the lottery? How many of you, because if you did, you'd play the lottery all the time. Most of us, if we do play the lottery that and we don't have like a gambling problem, we only play when that jackpot is like over a billion, right? Oh, when in a billion could be, I, I could use, I could use a billion dollars, uh, but not a hundred million when it's on the Powerball, right? So I want you to think about that. You, your, your chances don't increase all of a sudden now that there's a billion dollars on the line. It's that now you want it more or it's a lot of money, right? So the belief around winning the lottery is the problem. Most of us have resistance to the belief, even though we want it, it doesn't mean we believe it's possible. And this is a great example for anything that you're doing. Because if, for example, you really want a fantastic partner in your life, but you don't believe you're worthy of it. If all your life through all of your programming, somebody kept telling you like, you're not worthy. Who do you think you are? All of these kinds of things. You yourself do not believe that you are worthy of a loving relationship. And even though you don't want to be alone in your intention to find a reciprocal, respectable partner, so you're using the right language, it doesn't change the subconscious feelings you have about yourself. And that is the largest disconnect for me uh, it, with anybody when it comes to manifestation, in my opinion, because we think that just by saying that we want it, that that is the driving force that is going to get us to have it. And it's not because it is the emotional language that's most important. I have discussed this repeatedly, but it's been a hot minute. So we're going to talk about it, that when you talk about manifestation or when you're talking to the universe, when you're praying to your God, whatever, you have to understand the emotional language behind it. Okay. As an example, if I was to be dropped into any other country that their primary language was not English and I needed help, would people be able to understand me? Theoretically, yes. Right. Because of my body language, because of the energy coming off of my body. If I'm scared, they're going to know that. If I, Even if I'm like screaming in English, they're going to know something's wrong with me, right? Even if I'm calm and collective, but I'm trying to get some help, you know, that's the energy behind that. And that is what is universal amongst all humans is that we all know what energy feels like. You walk into a room and two people are fighting, even if you've never met them before, you can tell that there's tension. And that is... From podcast number one, when we talked about energy, energy is the only thing that leaves this earth, right? This body, this brain, this thing stays here. It is the powerhouse that functions you that shapeshifts someplace, wherever it goes, right? And so when you are operating from energy, everybody understands that. That is the universal language for the universe. So when we talk about manifesting and we say things like, I, I don't want to be alone, I don't want to be alone, I don't want to be alone. Right. Well, that's not what you're saying. That, that's the emotional underside of that. What you're saying is I want a partner. I want a partner. I want a partner. And the energy around that is low feeling emotion. And so when we talk about you being a giant magnet, that is exactly what your energy is. And when you step out into the world and you're operating from whatever energy level you are at currently, you need to understand now that energy is on a frequency, right? If this is, I'm not feeling so good energy, this low level feeling wave I'm referring to, if you're not watching the video is, let's just use it as an example, low level feeling. A high energy, if this is what it looks like, this is just an example, but this is not what really what your wavelengths look like, but high energy, crazy and fun. If I go out into the universe and I'm feeling like this, it is inevitable that other 
high energy people are going to find me, right? It is the reason why people at my parties come up and say, hi, oh my God, I love what you did. It's the reason why strangers, uh, strangers and clients come up to me in person and say hi, because my energy is attracting them. How about this example, like it rains, it pours philosophy. Have you ever said that to yourself? I use this as an example at my parties all the time, that when we get out of bed, if we stub our toe, we then throw ourselves into the it rains, it pours philosophy. We burn our dinner. We had a flat tire. We had every red light on the way to work. We fought with our boss. We get into a frequency of this sucks, this sucks, this sucks. And we're only emotionally sending that magnet out into the world. So we're now getting more of it. So when we operate from a place where we are abundantly grateful, when we, when we meditate to a place where we can get to that feeling and we feel abundantly grateful, right? I totally got off on a tangent talking about um, meditation earlier. Bird song is my favorite meditation, by the way. Literally, listening to birds sing is a form of meditation, if you didn't know that, because your heart frequency is the same as what bird song registers on the scale of, of vibration. So listening to bird song literally soothes your heart. Okay. So I just want to go back to that. Okay. So, um, when you're talking about the manifestation for you, right, that's why you got to get really clear about your emotional language, the way that you're feeling and the subconscious language behind your requests, because that's what you're putting out into the universe, right? So if you are manifesting with resistance, that is why nothing is showing up for you. Okay. And, um, I get, we got like 20 minutes, so we're getting there. Right. But, but that's the short end of it is that you need to just make sure that you understand that if you are going to be in a low level feeling emotion and you're going to pray or you're going to think, because what is prayer? You might make it reach ritualistic by going to a corner or having a prayer mat or folding your hands, but it's here. Is it not? Yes. You might worship in groups, but when you're worshiping individually and you're praying, you're just audibly speaking out loud or having thoughts with your higher power. So theoretically, it's like you're praying all the time to your higher power, to your universe. Even if you don't believe in one, it's the same concept and philosophy because it's manifesting. That's exactly what it is. So when you're in this headspace, it is very important for you to elevate to the experience and emotion of abundance and gratitude and luck and love and joy and all of these good feelings. Because when you're in that state, that is the magnet you become. If you go from here to here, you are now manifesting this type of energy, not this type of energy. And by the way, if you didn't recognize that is the only thing you can control. Only thing you can control is your own emotions and the way you react to things. You can't control anybody outside of you. Don't forget that. You think you can as a people pleaser, especially <laughs> that's me. I'm working on that this year, but you can't. You only control how you feel, how you feel about anything. Okay. So that's so important. So important because now you're starting to see and understand what your power is, what your power is. So when, if you decide to do meditation or if you decide to have a, a manifestation or gratitude practice, you can, like, you have to understand that even if you're not, you're willing things to come into your universe anyway. So you might as well be a little intentional about it if you can. And, um, when you start to practice that, that is where you can start to understand where your resistance lies, right? Because even if you sit here, even if you sit here and you get into like, a grateful feeling of income, right? Like I'm so grateful. This is going to be my example. Cause it's the only thing I can pull from, right? So uh, I'm so grateful for my clients. I'm so grateful that they trust me. I'm so grateful that they give me the time and the awareness to be a part of their lives in some way, shape or form. I'm so grateful that they let me guide them in ways that I am not only efficient, but also uh, capable to do so. <sighs> do you see what that is and how that feels and like just the energy behind it? But if I was like, universe, I'm so tired of being broke. 
I'm so tired of not having money. I'm so tired of being like paycheck to paycheck. Like this, this is not fun for me. I just want to be able to do good things and I want to be able to do better things. But do you see the difference? The difference between those, okay? The, the energy is different. And then, by the way, the resistance in the second thing. The resistance to all of it. Because, like, it's the subconscious belief. Okay, so, like, I, I, I got on a squirrel tangent. I'm sure you're surprised, right? But when we're talking about, like, example for, like, your partner, okay? Again, I really want a partner who is A, B, and C, right? But if I don't believe that I'm worthy of A, B, and C, I am manifesting from a low-level feeling, right? Of disbelief, not worthy, or whatever, whatever. So I'm just going to continue to get more opportunities that are in that same frequency because that is how I'm out there praying. That's how I'm out there thinking. So you have to be very aware to what your resistance are. And I think that that is almost harder than even developing your belief system because I believe that the resistance operates most often on the subconscious level. Okay. So I hope that so far that this has been interesting or helpful to you. Cause even if, again, if you don't believe in the woo woo side of the manifesting, you hopefully can start to align with how important it is to talk to yourself in better thoughts, how important it is to have a better thought track, how important it is to be aware of the critical voice inside your brain, because those are the spells that you put above. Uh, uh, those are the spells you put over yourself as you're using those words. Okay. So with the last 15 minutes, let's try to talk a little bit about manifesting through orgasm and sex. Okay. Um, so my friend asked me about this. She's like, have you ever heard of this? And I said, yes, yes, I have. Uh, I definitely came across it through spiritual development. And, um, as I was starting to understand what divine femininity was and divine masculinity was, and also just as an, ex uh, through an acceptance and awareness of self through pleasure and through my body and being a woman and being an intimacy coach and all of those kinds of things. So the important part of this is that I can't give you like a single lesson about manifesting through orgasm today because it is a process. I wouldn't be in a space where I could even believe that this would work if I was not comfortable or more comfortable, I should say, because I'm not perfect but being comfortable in my body, but being comfortable in the type of pleasure that I'm allowed to receive, which is all of it. Most of us are in places where we don't even think that, especially for women, you are out there during sex and intimacy, whether it's with a partner or solo play, that your orgasms are lasting three to five seconds. Nothing wrong with that. That's, that's, that's like a really good giant sneeze. Okay. And I've been in that place, but when you discover and understand that orgasms can be centralized, not just from the part that you're stimulating, but they can be a full pelvic floor experience, or they can be a full lower body experience, or they eventually become a full body experience to then become a full out of body experience. That is an evolution of being able to receive pleasure and based on what you believe your value is around receiving that pleasure. Okay. So that's part of it. The other part of it is being comfortable. So I, I don't believe that you have to be in a loving lasting relationship to be able to manifest through sex and orgasms, but it helps. Because if you are with somebody that you love and you trust, then again, you can be more vulnerable or you can be more raw or you can be more rare or whatever it is, the term that you want to put in here, because most of you are not. Most of you are so subconsciously drawn by what's going on with your body, or you are so nervous about being heard even by your partner that you're holding your breath. And that is the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. Because the more you deep breathe, the more oxygen not only gets to your head, to your heart, but all the places of your body that are necessary for good sex. So these are crucial parts that you have to really focus on and work at before you can even contemplate orgasming and being able to manifest. Now, I also want to, to like set the record straight that I don't, I get, I was going to say, I don't think that you can like, mm, let me just retract that. Okay. Cause I think that I don't, I don't know where I was going with that, but here's what I was telling my friend. The reason I believe that you can uh, manifest through orgasm is because it is probably one of the best experiences that most of us feel. A lot of us have trauma that is centralized around um, 
sexual abuse and all of these kinds of things. So we might not be able to get there. And that's important to note, okay? Because you have to, again, be receptive to the pleasure and you have to believe that you're okay with getting that pleasure, right? Because when you talk about um, good feelings, for most of us, that's what we feel when we're being sexual or when we're having an orgasm. But for some people, it's not. And that is okay. But I bet that's not what you want to have and that's not where you want to be. Maybe you do. I'm making an assumption. But that's an important point to make, okay? You have to be able to recognize that and be in a place that... Pleasure is good for you and you like to receive it. All right. That is, that's that's a skill you have to learn because for yourself, when orgasm feels good, in my opinion, it's probably ultimately one of the highest places that you can ever be that it is going, your body's going to feel good ultimately. Okay. I, I have not discovered anything beyond an orgasm that bodily sensation wise feels as good. So that's why I believe, I mean, why wouldn't it make sense if we're talking about manifestation is really more of a soul game, is it not? Because it's more about the alignment of your thoughts. It's more about the alignment of your emotions. It's a soul game. So when you then throw the bodily experience into it, if your mind and your body, I'm sorry, let's talk about mind and soul first. If your mind and your soul are already connected, if they're already had the ability to reach above, if they already have the ability to be into a positive headspace, you need your body to catch up, right? So some skills that you can be doing with this, of course, like I said, deep breathing, because most of you are holding your breath because you don't want to be heard and you're, you're nervous of it. And you're not even aware that you're holding your breath. And that's one of the worst things you can do. Deep breath again, not only for blood flow, but because it's receptive, it will allow for that good feeling to spread throughout your entire body. In addition to that, holding your tip, your hips, Holding your hips is very, very common for women because that is where you hold your trauma. I can't speak to men because I'm not a dude, but um, for women, it's very common because most of our shame and guilt is centered around our sexuality. And because your chakra, if you believe in that, your energy centers in your body, your sexual chakra is the one that's near your belly button, about two, two to three inches below your belly button. It's called your sacral chakra. That is why you hold tension there. Because you don't believe that you are worthy to receive that pleasure, so you hold tension instead of letting your hips literally relax so that you can not only receive more oxygen to those places, but just pleasure in general. So those are kinds of, a couple tips and tricks I'd highly recommend. Deep breathing and relax your body more than you already are, okay? And this be receptive to your pleasure, of course. But So now that we've um, aligned that your mind, body, and soul are in the same place, being receptive to this pleasure, this highest feeling of emotion that I believe that most of us are feeling, especially, again, if you're in a loving relationship at that point, you can be hooking up with your friends with benefits and still feel love. But if you are in a loving relationship, that's just what escalates that feeling right because now you feel safe so this trifecta of components of mind body soul and all of these really good feeling emotions you're literally in the highest state of frequency in my opinion than to manifest right so it's kind of funny because like what I said to my friend, right. It was like, okay, so it's not like I'm making like um, a manifestation wish list before I'm getting intimate, but I absolutely in a, in a completely different headspace. I would challenge you to think about as, as a woman, at least cause that's all I can relate to, right? The last three to five times that you were intimate with somebody, what was your headspace? What were you thinking? Were you present in the moment? Were you receptive to how good it felt? Um, or were you thinking about how your tummy looked or the fact that, you know, um, it's like already 10 minutes past your bedtime and you can't believe that you're going to get up late tomorrow, whatever, whatever. Okay. I would challenge you to really think about whatever was going through your brain because it makes a huge difference, huge difference, right? About where you are and where you're going to go. Because now, even though I don't make the actual list of manifesting before I'm getting intimate, I am in a space that just feels almost euphoric. Like not only do I feel safe here, which I always wanted to in the bedroom anyways, not only do I feel, um, sexy, 
which I always wanted to in the bedroom anyways, right? But now I can l loosely fantasize. And that's what, I mean, most of us are fantasizing anyway, so why not make it something that's more realistic to what you want in your life? And I, I can't speak for everybody, right? But my understanding would be that for a lot of you, you're fantasizing about a better body or a better partner or more pleasure, right? And if you have those things, if you have a body that you're, you're completely content with, if you have a partner that you're completely content with, and you have pleasure that you are now content with, what is left? What's left is just to add to it, right? So just as an example, PG, just as a heads up, right? But like for me, like if I am fantasizing, I'm not fantasizing about a better partner because I have a great partner. I'm not fantasizing about a better body because I'm happy with my body. But what I am fantasizing about the fact that this bedroom that I'm having this sex in should be on a mountaintop. And there should be windows from floor to ceiling that when I open the curtains later, I'm going to be able to see a fantastic view that the bedroom contains a bathroom that is a soaking tub because that's the kind of tub that I want. Maybe I'm not even in Colorado where I really want to be. Maybe I'm on a uh, work trip because I've gotten just, I've just gotten paid to speak to hundreds of people that absolutely love the content that I've given. And now I'm celebrating that by being intimate with my partner. Okay. But that's what it is. That's what manifestation is. And at the highest level, it's so much fun. And so why wouldn't you, if you are, if you are operating at a really good frequency, most emotionally, uh, physically, then your thoughts are now going to become things. They're now going to become things at the most prominent and strongest frequency of love and intimacy and pleasure that you are experiencing. So it makes sense, at least to me, that that would be one of the best places and ways for you to manifest. Oof, sounds sexy, doesn't it? Oof, it just brings in more pleasure and more fun and more creativity and then also builds on your libido and drive if you're somebody who suffers from that because if your experience is that well-rounded between mind, body, soul and so much pleasure, why would you not want to then bank that as your experience for later that your mind, body and soul will remember how good the last time it was that you were with a partner or solo play and it's going to drive you to want to do it again. Because not only was the result so amazing, but just being in that moment felt so good. So it is a win-win for you oh, in your spiritual growth. I never honestly thought I would even be talking about this, to be frank. But I, even if you don't believe in it, I mean, it's got to be a fun game. It's a fun game, right? Because you're only really elevating everything about the way you feel and then things within your relationship. So I really hope that it's something that you'll take to heart in terms of how you talk to yourself. Most importantly, these are the lessons I would, I would say um, from the last two podcasts. This is exactly what I would say are your takeaway lessons. The way you're speaking to yourself and understanding that spelling is called spelling for a reason. If you look up any word in the English language, it is broken down by definitions from Latin from Greek, from whatever, because it means this. Like literally, if your last name is Williamson, it means that you are son of William. That's where it came from, right? If you are Thompson, you are son of Tom. That's where you came from. Everything is broken down by its definition. And so spelling is the same way. It is a spell that we put over ourselves. So whatever word you want to go over and look at, you might be surprised when you actually, oh, duh, I didn't think about that word really meaning this, but that is where, it, that's where its origins came from. That is what it means. Like the word orgasm, if you did not know, the French word for orgasm means little death. Little death, well, you, you die every time you have an orgasm in the best way possible. Words have more power than we're giving themselves credit. And it can be a game changer when you're utilizing them for your benefit. And you deserve all of it, all of that, friend. Okay? So I know that it took two podcasts to talk about orgasming and manifesting. And I only really took like 
three and a half minutes to have that conversation, but you have to be able to get there. It's a spiritual endurance of understanding your thoughts, becoming things, your intentions, your belief system, implementing a new belief system, understanding that a belief is just a thought you think all the time. All of those things compound to be able to get to this place that I just described in the last three and a half minutes. You really can't get there if you don't feel great about your body. You cannot get there if you don't have trust with the other person that you're having sex with. You cannot get there if you don't allow the full reception of pleasure to come to your body, which you rightfully deserve. So all of them are stair steps. All of them are endurance. All of them are skill sets that build upon the last skill set. And most importantly, all of them that we talked about are actions, actions that are necessary for you to take because just thinking the thought is not enough. It does not generate enough of the energy. You have to become uncomfortable by getting outside your comfort zone. You have to take actions that you've never taken before, which makes sense because how would you feel a certain way um, if you've always done the things you've done before? How would you obtain a new goal if you've always done the things you did before? How would you be happier if you have never experienced that level of happiness? It's going to take things for you to get outside that comfort zone. All right. So. I really hope you got some value from today. If you did, make sure to give this podcast a share, a like, a love. Find me on social media. Tell me how much you enjoyed it. Send it to a friend, whatever you feel like might be most beneficial. And um, also make sure to find my link tree. So however you would like to communicate with me going forward, I am totally cool with direct messaging still. Uh, You are able to do one-to-one sessions with me, which are the most successful. I am so proud and all ego aside to tell you that I make the most money doing pure romance parties. I make the most money, but I have to sell product. And ultimately, I, I would like to be able to refer product, but I don't want to have to sell product as my only source of, or main source, I should say, of income, which is scary because that means that I'm really selling myself here going forward. But the, the most beautiful thing that I can tell you where I was going out of squirrel moment is that one-to-one sessions are... I see the most individual growth from you in a one-to-one session because we get to focus on you. We get to focus on your trauma blueprint, meaning what happened to you in the past that has led you to think this thinking now. And then going forward, of course, your new way of thinking and the new belief system that you want to that you want to have. It won't be the same as Rachel's, but it will be something that can help guide you so that you can start to feel better, so that you start to remember your capabilities, so you start to get clarity on where it is that you're going. The one-to-one sessions are definitely worth that. So let me know if you feel like that would benefit you. Uh, you don't have to be local for those at all. I absolutely do those on uh, via online and it's been tremendous i am so unbelievably grateful for the opportunity to continue not only exploring who i am as an individual and entrepreneur but to be in a space with you and watch you grow in any way shape or form it is a true honor so thank you so much for being here thank you so much for listening thank you so much for sharing if you choose to do so and supporting me in any capacity that you're able to and in the meantime until we see each other again i would love for you to stay happy stay healthy and to wash your hands have a great day